May God add his blessing to the reading of the scriptures this morning, and may the words from my mouth be just what we need to hear today. In the book Destination Happiness, the author poses this question. He says, who do you think, who would you think would be happier? People who had won the lottery or people who were paralyzed from a terrible accident? You might be surprised at the answer. He says, yes, the lottery winners were very happy, but not for very long. After six months, they went back to their previous level of happiness. The accident victims were, of course, not happy in the beginning. They were sad, they were distraught, they were depressed. But surprisingly, after six months, they also went back to their previous level of happiness. Think about that. Six months later, both groups, lottery winner, man, you can't think of anything more happy and joyous than that, can you? And people who were paralyzed and were never going to be able to function as they used to from an accident had all returned to their previous state of happiness. I don't know what that says to you, but it says to me that happiness is not on the outside. Happiness is something on the inside. Our circumstances don't get to decide how satisfied we are with our lives. Something else, something on the inside, makes the difference. The same studies on happiness were conducted with a group of college professors. They were asked how happy they would be if they got tenure. Tenure, if you don't know, means that you have some job security. These professor answers, professors answered, answered that if they got tenure, they would be very happy for the rest of their lives. Another group was asked how unhappy they would be if they did not get tenure. And they said, very unhappy for a very long time. Well, when researchers went back to them sometime later, every one of the professors had gone back to their previous level of happiness too. Their previous level of well-being, whether they had gotten their tenure or whether they had not. If they were happy before, they were happy again. If they were not before, then they were not again. I think it's interesting. Americans are promised the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But what is happiness? Is happiness something that we get by pursuing it? Is it because of circumstances? Is it because of the things around us? Does it depend on money? Does it depend on a diploma hanging on the wall? Does it depend on the respect of other people, of friends and neighbors and even strangers? Or does it depend on something else? I would suggest that we ask ourselves this question. What would it take to make me happy? Really happy? That is a soul-searching question. 
because I asked myself that and I sat in my office for a long time and thought about it. Jesus talked about happiness, but not the way we talk about it. No, he turned the definition of happiness upside down as he did many things. In the Sermon on the Mount, he made some strange statements in these Beatitudes, of which we've read a condensed version. Really, Luke's is kind of condensed this morning. He says, Happy are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Happy are you who hunger, you'll be satisfied. Happy are you who weep, for you will laugh again. Happy are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, when they insult you, when they reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. That is how the ancestors treated the prophets. Happy are the poor. Happy are the hungry. When I'm a little bit hungry, I'm not happy. Ask my family. We have a hangry problem in our house, and it's not just me. Happy are those who weep. Most of us are more comfortable when we read the other word, the other translation, blessed, than we are the word happy. But the Greek translation of that word, which is the word makarios, makarios, most translators do translate it as blessed, but it also can be translated happy. Hmm. I thought about people like Mother Teresa. I could see where she could have lived a blessed life, but happy? How could she have been happy looking daily at these starving children and doing all that she could to help them in whatever way she could, sometimes not able to because the resources weren't there. She couldn't be happy, but yet people knew who knew her best said that she was the absolute picture of happiness. In fact, many who have studied the pursuit of happiness have learned that the happiest people on earth are not people who chase it, but people who seek God, people who serve God, people who love God, and people who love other people. Some of you remember Dr. Norman Vincent Peale. Now, some people like his writings, some don't. His power of positive thinking. Late in his life, he wrote some words that I believe could be meaningful to us. Listen closely. Quote, I have discovered the most optimistic people are the most Christian people in their attitudes. Now I've got to qualify that a little bit. I have seen lay people, preachers, bishops, archbishops, and so on, up and down the church hierarchy who are, weren't happy or optimistic, who thought that everything was bad and was only going to get worse. You see, there are different ways of being a Christian. A minister in London told me about a man who would never go inside a church, but he would hang around in the vestibule. And when the ushers went away, 
he would open the door just a crack so he could listen into the service. But he would never venture further than the vestibule. Well, there are many who physically have got past the vestibule, but mentally, they're still just listening through that crack. They're only getting a tiny bit, a faint suggestion of what life is really all about. But Jesus said, drink ye all of it. If you take the whole of Christianity and really give yourself to it and really accept it, you are going to become so happy, so enthusiastic, so optimistic that life is going to be altogether different for you. Then you will walk in the newness of life when you have absorbed the quality, the essence, the depth, the height, the glory, and the power of Christianity. So let go of that gloom. Let go of that depression. Let go of that discouragement. Let go of that weakness. Let go of that sense of failure. Get yourself with Jesus. Really, personally, go to him. Do like Tay said. Pray to him. Tell him that you want to live with him. Dr. Peel didn't mention Tay. That was me. Tell him you want to be guided in your life by him. And I will guarantee, on the basis of everything I have seen happen in my ministry, that you will become more optimistic. You will become victorious. You will have peace in your heart. You will love people. You will feel better physically and emotionally. You will have a wonderful life. End quote. Now you may agree with all of that or not, but I believe that Dr. Peel was on to something. Happiness isn't something that happens to you on the outside, but it's something that happens to you on the inside. In Corinthians, Paul says that the wisdom of God shows the world's wisdom to be foolishness. That's what Jesus says about happiness. Happiness is not found in wealth or power or pleasure. Some very happy people are poor. Some very miserable people have lots of material possessions. There's a story of a king who was very sick. He was advised by his people around him that he could be cured if the shirt of a content, happy man was brought to him for him to wear. And so he sent them all out into all parts of the kingdom to look for a happy person. And after a long search, they found a man who was very, very happy and content. But he didn't own a shirt, so he couldn't help the king. We can have the most desperate of circumstances and still be happy, according to what Jesus says. Happiness comes from somewhere else. Seems like the more we have, the more we want. Sometimes people who are blessed with all kinds of stuff, and I'm guilty of this, I complain sometimes because I sure wish I had this or that or the other thing, but God has blessed me with everything I need and then some. But we always want more, 
Some of us are not as thankful as we ought to be for the things we have and for the little joys and pleasures in life and the people in our lives. I'm not saying that to find happiness we need to give everything away and have nothing for ourselves. That might be the worst thing we could do because then we'd be miserable. It might fill us with resentment, with bad feelings. But sometimes we have our values all out of whack, I think. That makes us miserable. Two main sources of happiness in the world, in my mind anyway. One is a relationship with God. I need that to be happy. Two is a relationship, good relationships with other people. If I have those two things, no matter what else is going on, I'm okay. I'm content. Poverty or wealth, sickness or health, surrounded by people or all by myself, I can still have joy within if I just understand where happiness comes from, what the true source is. Happiness does not depend on circumstances, but on an understanding inside. An understanding that we are loved. We are accepted. We belong to God. If that doesn't make you happy, I'm not sure what will. Yet so many people go through life without realizing that happiness comes from a relationship with God and a relationship and relationships, I should say, with other people. J.T. Fisher wrote this, if you were to take the sum total of all authoritative articles ever written by the most qualified of psychologists and psychiatrists on the subject of mental hygiene, you would have an awkward and an incomplete summary of the Sermon on the Mount. For nearly 2,000 years, the Christian world has been holding in its hands the complete answer to its restless and fruitless yearnings. Here rests the blueprint for successful human life with optimism, good mental health, and contentment. End quote. That is why so many people today, I think, are unhappy. That's why suicides are growing among our young people and our old people. We bought into the idea that happiness comes from somewhere else. Things like being surrounded by pretty things. The phrase, money can't buy happiness, has proven itself to be true time and time again. Many in the news we read about who had everything in this world committed suicide, overdosed, tragic. According to scientific studies, once our basic needs are met for shelter, food, and basic education, income makes little difference in our levels of happiness, except if they're very extreme. Even celebrities are beginning to realize that. David Letterman said this. I was looking for quotes from famous people, and I found this. He said, I'm a person who spends a great deal of his time wondering why he's not happier. 
David Letterman. I have found that the only thing that does bring you happiness, listen, is doing good for somebody who is incapable of doing it for themselves. That was David Letterman, but that sounded a whole lot like Jesus, didn't it? That may be why many Christians seem to be happier people. We have a sense of purpose in our lives. Author James Moore wrote about a friend of his who once shared with him an experience that she had in an art museum in New York. She said she went into a special exhibit room where there were all these paintings of busy, well, some busy, not so busy, but of roads of different types. There were paintings of busy modern streets. There were interstate highways, big crowded streets in the middle of the big city, uh, beautiful landscape parkways, happy little neighborhood streets and small towns, remote mountain trails and quiet country roads, all of these pictures, and they were beautiful. And at one end of the room, at the very end, was a very large picture. It was a painting of a road. And it had an almost too perfect, almost spiritual look to it with soft pastel colors. And the caption beneath the picture read, The Road to Happiness. And as she stood there and admired this beautiful picture, two well-dressed middle-aged women walked up beside her and one said to the other, Isn't that the most beautiful painting you've ever seen? The other lady said to her, sadly, yes, it is a beautiful painting. The only problem is there's no such road. May I suggest there is such a road. There is a road to happiness, and it's found in the teachings of our Lord. In 1989, columnist Nick Clooney decided that he wanted to do something a little different in his column, so he invited some local celebrities to send in their ideas on a column about what these well-known men and women would want written on their headstone when they pass away. He was surprised by the wit and the sincerity of some of their answers. There was a local weatherman, Ira Joe Fisher, who wrote a couple of funny lines that went like this. He said, put this on my headstone. He wanted the mind of Plato, the soul of Socrates, but his life was more of a tribute to old mediocrities. The editor of the Cincinnati Post, Paul New, couldn't make up his mind about what to write, went on a trip with his family, and when he got back from a trip, he knew what he wanted to say. And so he chose two simple words. Put this on my headstone. He cared. That would be good. But I think the most touching was this one. From the head of a broadcasting network, Charlie Meacham. And I think this is perfect. Put this on my headstone. Dear God, thanks for letting me visit. I had a wonderful time. Isn't that what you'd like to say at the end of this journey? 
God, thanks for letting me visit. I had a wonderful time. I can think of many who would share that sentiment, who have gone on. And you can too. And so can I. Trust God. Love God. Do what you can in this life to help others. You will find a secret to life that some people will never find. You'll find the road to happiness. I hope that we'll all be able to say with Charlie, Dear God, thank you for letting me visit. I had a wonderful time. Amen.